Well, somehow continuing in the series on the Ten Commandments uh, didn't kind of, I guess it didn't quite feel right this morning. Uh, so we're going to look at God's Word. We're going to look at several passages this morning. Uh, one uh, main passage that we're going to look at today is in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Now, those of you who went to Life Group this morning, uh, and you're doing our text-based, uh, our, our, our sermon text-based type of life group material, and me not doing this, I know that throws you off. Tommy has a conniption more than anybody about it, uh, so give him, a, give, him a, give him a hard time over that, uh, but don't worry, we will catch back up. I feel it's appropriate today uh, that the Lord just give us a little bit of encouragement from His Word. And um, I think this is the case for all of us. Sometimes we just, we just need some encouragement. Now, you, you may not have known Bobby very well, uh, but there may be something going on in your life right now where you would say, you know, I've, just, I've got some really bad things that are happening in my life right now. I'm just, I've just got some hurt, have some pain, have some struggles. And uh, so I just, want to, uh, I just want to speak a word of encouragement to us today. And ironically, I'm going to do it from what some might consider to be the saddest book in the Bible, uh, written by the saddest prophet in the Bible, Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet, and he wrote a book called Lamentations. If you don't know where Lamentations is, basically uh, it's, it's, a, it's a small book in my Bible. It just has about three or four pages, and it is wedged in between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And I'm going to ask you to do something today. I'm going to ask you to open a copy of God's Word. Um, uh, the, the, I, I gave the screen guys some of this scripture late. I don't, matter of fact, they may not have got it until this morning. And so uh, they may, the scripture may or may not be on the screen. I'm going to share with you some verses that I really want you to look at. I want you to look at them uh, on the pages of scripture today, uh, even if maybe you don't see them on a screen. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, there's a pew Bible that's there in front of you. God is good, amen? Do you believe God is good? Say it. Say, God is good. We serve a great God. We serve a good God. We serve a God that loves us. And even when we can't feel it, even whenever we can't recognize His goodness, God is still good. Now, this world is not good, right? This world is terrible. I mean, look around at all the things that we see that take place around us. Turn on the news. Listen to talk radio. I mean, just walk down the street. It doesn't, it doesn't take long before you, you see a lot of bad in this world. I mean, there's just some bad people in this world. There's some bad people that do bad things. There's bad diseases in this world. One uh, we all know of, the coronavirus that swept through over the past couple of years. But there's other bad diseases that just seem to, to be killing people. And a lot of them are preventable diseases. And good people are dying because of disease. A lot of you have faced some of these, maybe some of these uh, health problems. You know, there's even bad weather in this world. We faced that about two years ago as well when this tornado swept through our town and, uh, and, and uh, just a lot, of, a lot of bad things happened. There's senseless tragedy that takes place, accidents. And we look around at this world, we look around at circumstances, and we look around and, and we think, man, there's just, there's just a lot of bad stuff that happens. And sometimes we find ourselves saying, you know, can I just, can I just have some good 
And we, we spend a lot of energy in life looking for that good, don't we? I'm not so sure that we really know the difference between what is good and between what is bad. I don't know that we're smart enough. I don't know that we're wise enough. I don't know that we're capable enough in our hearts of knowing the true difference between what is good and between what, what is bad. Now, we know that bad things are going to happen. I, you know, things that we consider bad. I, I read that passage in Job just a little while ago in the service. And, you know, something really bad happened to him. But it turned out for our good. I mean, how many times have you read the book of Job and been encouraged? How many people have come to know Jesus as Savior because of a tragedy that happened in Job's life? And Job worshiped the Lord and uh, even in the midst of that. But, you know, there's something else that Job said that I really loved. He said, you know, he said, though the Lord slay me, even then will I worship him. I want you to consider this question this morning. What would make you stop worshiping God? I want you to think about that for a minute. What would make you say, you know what, I just don't want to worship God right now. I don't have worship in my heart for Him right now. What would make you say, you know what, I'm just going to stop worshiping altogether because I don't see Him as good anymore. What could possibly make that happen in your life, if anything? You know, I find that when I consider that question, that it's not hard things that cause me to stop want to stop worshiping God. And you would think that would be the case. You would think that we would see in Scripture and we would affirm verbally the, re verbally the reality that God is good, but then we would go out into the world and we would see all of this bad and we would say, now wait a minute, you're a good God, but there's all this bad. And that after a while we would look at all of this bad and we would say, well, I just don't want to worship the Lord anymore. But do you know the reverse often happens? In fact, the, the reverse happens quite, I mean, really, I, th I think that's kind of how it works. For some reason, in the Christian life, when you really know the Lord, when you really love the Lord, when the Spirit of God lives inside of you, there's something about all of the things in the world that we think are bad that God actually uses to affirm His goodness and to bring worship spilling up from inside of us. Isn't it amazing how God can do that? That He can take circumstances that we think are so horrible and He can affirm His goodness and He can lead us to praising Him. In fact, I, I, just, I just find that the more hardship and pain and bad that comes into my life, the more it just fuels more and more worship inside of me, and I just want to affirm more and more how great and how good God is. So I have a very simple message for you this morning, a message that is affirmed all throughout Scripture, a message that we're going to read this morning from the, from, from, from the saddest book in the Bible, and this is the message, the simple message. God is good. God is good. Stand with me, please. Lamentations. Chapter 3, verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never 
come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Father, today, we give you worship and we give you praise. We don't care what's going on around us. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. And God, we affirm in our hearts that you are good. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. What has to happen in your life in order for you to proclaim God's goodness in beautiful terms such as what we just read? What would have to happen in your life for that burst of praise, for that amount of affirmation of worship and goodness? What would have to happen in your life for you to feel what Jeremiah felt when he wrote those words? Would you have to win the lottery? Would you have to live, for, uh, live to be 100? Would you have to get the job that you wanted? Would you have to be healthy and wealthy? What, what, would, you have, would you have to have the perfect circumstances? What would have to happen in your life for you to say, God, you are so good, it never ends. Your mercies are new every morning. You love me every day. God, you are just worthy of my praise. What would have to happen in you for you to have that same level of praise in your heart? Would it have to be something that you considered good? Would you have to have circumstances in the world that brought about that measure of praise? Is, is, are, we, are, we really that, are, are we really that connected to this world? Or do we really have that measure of false expectation from God that we could somehow say, God, when you make everything in my, circumstantially, when you make everything in my life perfect, just how I want it, then I will proclaim your goodness. Is that really how it works? Has, I mean, is, is, that, is, that, is that really what we're expecting from the Lord? Can I just tell you today, if that's what you were expecting from God, you're going to be very, very disappointed. Because as I have already pointed out, it works in the reverse for the believer. Let's see what led up to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, who wrote the saddest book in the Bible. Let's read the verses that led up to these verses that brought about this burst of praise in his life. Uh, Slide back to to Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1 to the beginning of the chapter that we just read. And let's see what brought about this affirmation of goodness, this burst of praise that happened in his heart. Look Look what Jeremiah says. He says, I'm the man that has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. 
He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He's a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I've become a laughingstock of all the peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. He has made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance is perished. So as my, as my hope from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wanderings. The wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it. And is bowed down within me. Let me ask you a question. If that was your circumstance, how would you feel towards the Lord? If that's what you had been going through, if that, was, if that was the reality of your life, would a burst of praise come from you? It should. That's what happened with Jeremiah. Look what he says in verse 21. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. And he continues in these verses that I've already read to you today, just this burst of praise that comes over him and just this affirmation of God's goodness, even though he had been suffering so much. And to make it even, to, uh, to make it even more difficult, and this is, this is the hard part, Lamentations chapter 3, skip down to verse 37 and verse 38. He says, who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord commanded it? Look at verse 38. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? Y'all, I don't, I, don't I, I don't know how to explain verses like that. Not fully, not completely. There are some that think that they know perfectly how to explain it, and they've come up with a great theological system that answers all the questions. And let me just tell you, I, I, I sometimes read verses like this, and I, I have trouble understanding just the intense mystery that is our God. And I realize how fallible I am that I would ever try to understand why God would do or allow things that I would consider bad and hurtful and painful. But I believe that God is in control. Don't you believe that God is in control? I mean, that's really what this verse says. God is in control of this world. If we don't believe that, do we really have hope? Would it really make you feel better for, to say, well, God is just sitting back watching all this happening. He's helpless. He doesn't have any control over the weather. He doesn't have any control over anything that happens on the... That doesn't give me any comfort, but it gives me maximum comfort knowing that God, according to His sovereignty and according to His plan, has decided what is truly good and what is truly bad. Because I don't, I don't know what's truly good and truly bad. 
I would have looked back at my son dying on a cross as bad. But yet God put Jesus on a cross. Was that not good for us? Was that not infinitely good for us? A situation that we would have said was bad, was horrible, was terrible. That the Son of God, perfect and sinless, lived for 33 years only to be abandoned by his his friends, betrayed by one of his close friends, taken uh, as a prisoner by the religious leaders who plotted his, uh, his death and then killed by Romans like he was a criminal. I would say that that was bad unless I read Scripture and know that God has said it was good and it's turned out good. Hasn't that turned out good for you? Hasn't, it, hasn't Jesus' death on a cross, hasn't it turned out good for you? You're going to spend eternity in heaven because of what Jesus did for you. Only God really knows what is good. Hey, we don't, we, don't, we don't really know. But what we must do is we must say that God is good and He's worthy of praise. And here's one thing that we do know. Verse 22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You can circle the word never in your Bible. God is good and He is worthy of praise because you never have to question whether or not He loves you. You never have to question it. There may be things that happen in your life, but you can always know that God absolutely loves you. If you're a Christian, if you know the Lord, and if you are His child, nothing will ever take His love away from you. I know some of you don't believe that. Some of you think that when God looks at you, that He kind of crosses His arms, and He points His nose, and He kind of looks at you sideways, like you're just, you know, there's just something, there's just something wrong with you. You know, God doesn't, if you're God's child, He doesn't look at you that way. God has a heart of love for you, and it never, it never runs out. Human love runs out. You know, there is a limit to human love. I know that you probably have someone in your life, uh, a mother or a father or a spouse or a child or a best friend, where you could say, that person is going to love me no matter what. I can tell you that human love does have limits. But God's love has no limits. And God is good and worthy of praise because His love never goes away. It's always there even if we don't feel it. And verse 23 also shows us that God is good, that He is worthy of praise because He has this new and creative way every morning of showing us His love and His faithfulness. It says, your mercies, your love, your mercies, they're, they're new every morning. We serve a creative God that just... He just knows how to love us. I don't know about you, but I lack a little creativity in showing love. I feel like I can only give so many bouquets of flowers to my wife before she would think, well, here comes more flowers. I wonder if he's ever going to do something different. I wonder how many gift cards I could possibly give my mother before she could, because listen, she loves Belk, y'all. She loves Belk. So Mother's Day comes along, get Mama a gift card to Belk, she's happy. And I sit there and think, and I, I'm always giving her gift cards. It's, there's got to be some creative way I can do it better. Guys, are, guys, are you feeling me here? Because sometimes, I don't know, if you have any tips for me, send me some emails. That creativity of showing love. The Bible says that God is an expert. He knows that he's, these mercies, this love, they're new every morning, that God 
It's like he, he knows how to show his love to us to where whenever we feel and sense that love, it's like we feel it and sense it the very first time. I remember the day that I was saved. I remember crouching down in that jail cell in Ridgeland, Mississippi. And I remember feeling the love of God 31 years ago. I remember feeling the love of God for the very first time in my life. But I also remember those times those in, in my life that the Lord has shown me His love again in a different way, in a new way. And it's, it's, it's the same love. The same love that saved me is the same love that God continues in good circumstances, but honestly, most of the time in the bad circumstances, whenever I need to feel His love the most. I don't know about you, but it's, it's in those bad times. Man, those hard times, those painful times. That's when I need the love of God. That's when, I need, that's when I need Him to show me His love. And I believe that love is what our hearts need most. I don't believe perfect circumstances in life is what we really need. Do you really believe that's what you need? Do you really believe that if all of the circumstances of your life could all be perfect, and everything could be perfect, and everything could be the your definition of good, just, just like you like it, do, do you really think that that would satisfy your heart? It won't. I've never met one single person that has ever said, my soul is satisfied because my circumstances are perfect. I've never met, I've met plenty of people that say, I'm thankful to the Lord for what He's done for me, but I've never met anyone that said, my because my circumstances are perfect, my soul is satisfied. This is because the Bible says that God satisfies our soul. Verse 24, the Lord is my portion. Does it really matter what else we have or don't have as long as we have the Lord, as long as we have His love, as long as we have Him in our life? He is our portion. And you know, you know one of the ways that God shows us His love and shows us His mercies? He does, it, he does it through you. He does it through the body of Christ. I don't, know how, I don't know how people make it. I don't know how people make it without a church family. I really don't. I don't know how people make it with the God in me mentality. I don't need those church people. I can just, just, just me and God. Y'all, let me tell you something. I need, I need, I need church people. I need church people. I need, I need those people that will, that will hug me. I need, those, I need those people that will touch me on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm praying for you. I need those people that are going to bring me a meal whenever I'm hurting. I need, I need those people that are going to send me that text message and say, hey, you know, I was just, I was just thinking about you. I need, I need those people that maybe they don't do anything, but just... But just give me a smile. I need, I, need those, I need those people, those godly people that just say, hey, that was, that was a good sermon. I need those people that I can call at 3 a.m. and say, hey, I got a flat tire. Will you come help me? I need God's people. We need God's people. And when, when Jesus is our portion, when God is our portion, there is, there is something about how he portions out his love and portions out His mercy through His hands and feet, through the people of God, through, through the, the people that are seated on the pew next to you. You may, not e you, you, you may not even be in a habit 
of talking to the people that sit on the pews next to you and behind you and in front of you. And listen, if you don't, you're missing out. You're, you're missing out on a great blessing. Those people that are sitting next to you and in front of you and behind you, those people have so much to offer. And you know why? Because they have the spirit of the living God living inside of them. And God pours out His love and He pours out His mercy and He portions out His blessings through all of us together. That's, that's, that's what's truly valuable. You see, I don't value the circumstances of this life as much as I value the people of God in the presence of God and having Jesus in my life. He alone satisfies my soul. Verse 25, the Lord is good. That's just what it says. It just says the Lord is good. But it says something specific about people who are going to feel and experience the goodness of God. Those who will wait for Him. Do, you, do some of you other impatient people like myself somehow sometimes get impatient with the Lord telling us to be patient? That kind of proves that we need to read verses about patience. And that's what this says. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the soul who seeks Him. Do you seek the Lord? Do you look for Him? Verse 26, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That's what God calls us to. You see, the Lord delays His blessings. I don't know why He's designed it that way, but the Bible says that He has prepared a heaven for us. A place where there's going to be no more crying. A place where there's going to be no more pain. A place where there's going to be no more destruction. There's going to be no more war. There's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more loss. There's going to be none of that. No one will ever break their leg again. No one will ever lose a loved one again. No one will ever again get sick. There won't be any death. The Bible says that all crying will be wiped away. Unfortunately, we don't have that here. We don't have that right now. But God has promised it. If we will wait for it, and if we will trust that God is good. What has caused you to question God's goodness lately? What has caused you to question? Was it, is, is it a, maybe a divorce? Is it maybe a child of yours that has suffered? Is it recent war that has broken out? Or maybe uh, evil men abusing power and taking advantage. There's, the, the list could be endless. What is it that has caused you to question God's goodness and has robbed God of the praise that He is worthy of? We've got to trust. We've got to trust. I just want to read two more passages to you that I hope will be an encouragement. I won't preach these passages. I just, want to, I just want to read these passages over you. They won't be on the screen. I just want to read them over you, and I hope that they'll be a comfort to you. Habakkuk chapter 3. It says, Though the fig tree does not blossom, there's no fruit on the vines, no produce of oil, or no food, and the flocks be cut off, there's no herd in the stalls, even though none of that is true. This is, this is what Habakkuk says in verse 18. It says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He's saying, when I have nothing else, I will have joy in the God of my salvation. And then one book over in Zephaniah, this is what the Word of God says. It says, the King of Israel, the Lord, is in, the, is in your midst. You shall never again fear, fear evil. 
On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I want to ask you to pray a prayer today. I want to ask you to, I want to, ask you to, to tell the Lord that you trust him. I want to ask you to tell the Lord that he is good. I want to, I want to, I want to say something first. If you can't worship the Lord and praise the Lord and proclaim His goodness in the midst of terrible circumstances, it could be that you don't know the Lord. This doesn't mean that you're not allowed to feel pain. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be mad. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to be confused and not understand. That's not what it means. These are human emotions in the natural course of things. But if you're not able to praise the Lord and worship the Lord and trust Him and proclaim His goodness during hard and difficult times, you may not have the Spirit of God inside of you. And it doesn't have to happen immediate, but you should get there. The Spirit of the Lord should bring you to that point to where you say, you know what, Lord? Though you slay me, even then I will rejoice. Even though you take all the cattle out of the stalls and all the things that was, was written in Habakkuk, even though you take everything away from me, um, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord. Even, even though like Job, you take all that I have away from me, even if you slay me, I'm going to rejoice in you and I'm going to worship you. It could be that if you are incapable of that, even after a long period of time, if you were incapable of that, it could be that you don't know the Lord. It could be that there's been a circumstance, a situation that has happened in your life in the past. You hadn't gotten over it. You hadn't gotten over it. You're not, you, you don't have worship inside of you. And listen, if you don't have worship that comes from inside of you, if you don't have praise to God that is birthed from your heart, if there's not a river of living water flowing from inside of you that proclaims God's goodness and feels His love and tells of how awesome He is, there's a problem. There's a problem. You may not know the Lord. And that may be what you need to pray today. You may need to call on Jesus and ask Him to save you. And so I want us to bow our heads, and I want us to close our eyes, and I want you to pray some simple prayers. With your head bowed and with your eye closed, the first thing that I want you to do, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, the first thing I want you to do is ask Jesus to save you. I want you to surrender. I want you to completely give up on yourself and your own goodness. And I want you to call on Jesus and ask Him to save you. If you don't know the Lord, I want you to ask Him to implant worship inside of your heart and inside of your soul. And I just want you to pray that simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, save me. If you're struggling right now, and you would say, Lord, my faith is just not there yet. I need you to strengthen my faith so that I can trust in your goodness. I want you to ask the Lord to strengthen you right now. Say, God, help me. Some of you need to say, God, save me. Some of you need to say, God, help me. God, help me. And then I want you to pray. I want you to tell God how good he is. In your own words. I just want you to say, God, you are good. 
And then I want you to tell him that you trust him. I don't know which one of those prayers is relevant to you today. Jesus saved me. God help me. God, you're good. God, I trust you. Would you pray one of those prayers today? I'm going to give you a few moments with your head bowed, nod clo- eyes closed, just to pray. If you want to come to the altar and pray, I want to welcome you to do that. And, and then after that, we're going to sing a song. We're going, to, we're going to sing a song of praise to the Lord because He's worthy of it. So you pray, you, you, you pray, and then we're going to praise. Thanks again for joining us this morning. We hope that you enjoyed the message. We want to encourage you that if God was moving in your life today to let us know. 